what has been the death toll or the the casualty uh, toll at this point? Uh, so good, good afternoon, and thanks for, for inviting me, and good afternoon to your listeners. Look, I am getting information as soon as it is available. I'm not sure whether I do have all the crashes that have taken place so far. The two most uh, spoken about, which also concern me, was the bus in the, in the Eastern Cape, the Satan's Neck accident, as well as uh, the taxi in Greytown uh, yesterday, where about 14 people were killed, and the, the, the Eastern Cape is about 13 people. Firstly, to express our condolences to relatives, families, you know, of the departed ones. Now, I concern that I have is that, for instance, last Easter, the 2017, significantly we, we, we managed to reduce road crashes by 11%. But the number of fatalities increased, which means that now what we are having, even if we manage to have fewer crashes, but the number of people who die in each crash are higher. The number of people who die in, in, in each crash becomes higher, which points to two things. One, some slight promising progress, and at the same time showing that we have a lot of work to do. For instance, we are attributing to the reduction of the number of crashes last year to the fact that we prioritized about 13 or 14 roads, which we identified as the most hazardous, hazardous roads. For instance, your entry from Joburg to Deben, your Road 61 in, in the Eastern Cape, you know, N1 from Joburg to Byte Bridge, as well as Monoto Road, of course although Monoto Road tends to be worse when it's working day. So we have identified those and, and done more visible policing. And when there is more visible policing in those roads that we've prioritized, we've tended to have less crashes, which is what we started doing in NS last year, which we are also repeating this year. Uh, and also we are now aware... Also, as what are the times when these accidents most happen? The most dangerous time has been between 6 in the evening and 10 p.m. in the evening, as well as early hours of the morning where also there's an element of fatigue. You know, some people, they just drive on and on and on without taking a rest and so on. So this actually, the other thing is the high number of pedestrians who die in road accidents, unacceptably high. Because any one death is, is, is enough. But we've also identified the areas, because it's mainly townships, and it's mainly areas also that you have got a number of taverns operating, and we've got lots of pedestrian fatalities and so on, which okay. then requires that our department will actually have to work very closely with communities. So I just want to... Uh hop in there minister uh, you did mention earlier on that obviously fewer crashes but higher death tolls and yes. i wanted to ask you in, in doing the maths does it point to um overloading of vehicles or what are the dynamics here why would we have uh, more fatalities if we have fewer crashes well the, what seems to be the pattern is that it's Yes, overloading is, is definitely one factor. 
But the other factor is fatigue and long distances, you know, the buses in particular, which is also contributing to this, as well as the other normal factors, well, not normal, other factors that often contribute to this, you know. I mean, recklessness in driving, not respecting road safety rules, you know, and so on. But now what it begins to point to is that vehicles that are carrying bigger numbers of people that tend to be involved now in these crashes, which partly explains, but it's something that we are still studying as a department. You know, from our experience from last year, and also what we are going to be doing this year, that may begin to give us even a better picture of what is actually happening. Minister, just from a a broader perspective, as you say, if you look at the demographics, a lot of these fatalities also seem to be occurring in the township areas. Um, And we know that our people, in terms of the uh, majority of the population of uh, South Africa, um, do not have access to their own transportation, therefore would rely on public transportation. So... As the transport minister, from that perspective, what can be done? Because as we say, these are times when uh, people rely on public transportation or uh, vehicles that can make mass transportation for reaching destinations. How can we tackle it beyond driver behavior? Well, it's a very important question that you're asking, because it's clear to me, much as I'm still new in this department, but from what my colleagues were doing and saying before this, we really do need to work in the short to medium term. Maybe some of it is longer term. Towards safe public transport that's accessible to everybody, not just the townships, but to everybody. Because part of the problem, we just have got too many cars on our roads. We've got, we've got about 12 million now in South Africa. And 40% of them, by the way, just between Johannesburg and Swanee. So that is what, because even for the middle class, if you provide safe, affordable, reasonable public transport, you also need to draw them into that so that they can leave cars at home, which reduces congestion and reduces accidents, even for holidays for that matter. If we have got reliable, long-distance public transport, we can go a long way in reducing the number of cars. Because the, 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 the other matter that we have got to look into is trucks. And part of our goals as government is, for instance, to reduce carriage of goods by road and move that to rail. That still remains a big priority for us. It's not going to take something that is overnight, but we need that whilst we are using law enforcement and other measures to try and minimize road fatalities but we need to put even added effort in providing a safer public transport system for everyone, irrespective of class, if you like. Mm. I, I mean, back to the issue of uh, driver behavior, we've been have this, having this confirmation, uh, conversation about a demerit system, uh, and it's something I, I say all the time, and I lament that if the weather is bad, it's wet and dangerous conditions, People, certain people drive even more dangerously in, in high traffic volumes. People are not only impatient, but people drive incredibly recklessly. So the fact that that continues, even with policemen on the road, metro police officials on the road, uh, what should be done? Should there be more drastic action, more punitive measures taken? 
Yes, we've instructed our traffic uh, officers that they should actually be ruthless when it comes to to the strict when it comes to people who, who does those speeding, driving under the influence, you know, and even arrest as many of those people as possible, so that we don't just give them fines and they continue sometimes doing the same thing. That is the one thing, you know, that uh, we need to do. Of course, law enforcement is, is, is very necessary, but it needs to be combined with other things, like the one that we are saying. Cabinet has recently reviewed road transport policy as I'm coming in into the new department. And I think some of those things will actually have to be looked into quite strongly, you know, like the demerit system, and even in some instances, you know, for repeated offenders to take away their driver's licenses so that they are not on our roads and we are able to take a drastic action. But certainly we need to continue with education as well. Because there is quite a significant number of driver, motor driver, vehicle uh, drivers, a population which is very good. They obey the rules and so on. And we just have to increase that number in order to be able to reduce the road fatalities. But we need to look at this, you right, very comprehensively, which is what I'm trying to familiarize myself with and see what, it, what additional measures actually can be taken to try mm. and confront this problem head on. I, I would imagine that uh, part of your plan going forward would then have to look at speeding up infrastructural change or improvements because when it comes to pedestrian deaths we we know a, a great part of that even including cyclists has to do with and un, the unsuitability of the roads built to furnish south africans who are not uh, riding in vehicles yeah the, so the, the pedestrian issue one of the of the of the things that government has already identified is, is a combination of the fact that there are no pedestrian, safe pedestrian crossings in many of our areas, like bridges, for instance. But you find that even that can go some way in reducing. But also pedestrians, some of them just do not want to. They find pedestrian crossings to be inconvenient. Sometimes mm-hmm. too far, mm-hmm. you better take shortcuts and do this. As well as speeding, because Drivers who are speeding uh, or drunken drivers also, they contribute to that because they are unable to actually avoid pedestrians even where they could have been avoided. So in terms of your holistic strategy, have you then identified the risk factors um, associated with not only achieving it but implementing it? Well, I think that government has done that. You know, the documents that I'm going through now as I'm familiarizing myself with, with, with this new portfolio for me, you know, is that there's lots of good work that has been done to actually identify the risk factors and, and problems. That is why, for instance, some of the roadblocks that I've participated in, two of them now, over the last two weeks, you know, we, we, we have adopted what we call an integrated traffic management system, where you actually have the Department of Health, just to test people, you know, so blood levels, blood pressure because sugar levels, all those things, they actually also contribute, by the way, to, to accidents. As well as actually having the South African police service with us because sometimes our traffic cops are unable to deal with the 
a serious criminal activity sometimes that you find. Yesterday also we were with the Department of Home Affairs on the N1 uh, because they also have to deal with cross-border uh, transportation, which that's another risk area that we have identified, uh, which we need to undocumented people who come in. Some of them are drivers of taxis. We arrested one yesterday. So all those things are there in the National Integrated Transport Policy, including, as I say, reducing the trucks on the road. Those are, are things that actually uh, need to be done. So we just need to be intensifying those measures whilst at the t- same time engaging key stakeholders, the taxi industry and others. Just a, a final question. If you are segregating your various interventions and looking at the youth, the fact that... Um, you know, traffic accidents are the leading cause of death of people aged between 15 and 29 years old. Do you have any ideas or from your predecessors what the uh, interventions are targeted at the youth? Yes. For instance, I've already started an initial engagement, but there's been some engagements before with students. For instance, I know COSAS has had an interest in terms of spreading road safety messages amongst the youth, including, by the way, one of the things now that increasingly contributes to, to accidents, which is texting and driving, being on Facebook whilst you're driving, which young people actually tend to do. So we will need to engage with a variety of youth formations. That's one of the things I want to do almost immediately once I'm settled to actually say, let's bring youth, young people, their various organizations, and then say, what is it working together with them can be done to reduce accidents? Because indeed, young people are being slaughtered on our roads. And women, by the way, you know these big accidents of buses, is worshippers over the Easter weekend, for instance, and mainly women who are bearing the brand of this. So one will also need to have that sectoral approach to the problem. Thank you so much for speaking to us, Minister. That is uh, Transport Minister Dr. Blade Nzimande.